It never, it never seems like it's synced up on my end. There's always a delay, but I know it Hon works. Honestly, it just, it's just there so I can at least get like a vague connection, you know. And then I go mm -hmm. in later and I see if there's any cross, cross echo. And if there is, I try to match it to that. And if there's not, then I just do a best guess. Mm -hmm. And uh, that usually works. So Yeah, I did hear on one of the podcasts, know. I guess I just had my volume up so high on my headphones that I could hear like a little faint hum of, of an echo just because I, I think it was picking it up on my microphone. Yeah, I, I try to keep it so that at least like on my end, I it doesn't do that. And usually it doesn't. But uh, so if one of us has that, I can usually correct it. But if we both have it, then it's like there's nothing I can do because the echoes don't sync up. Uh -huh. So it's uh, it's at that point, it's a lost cause. But um, interesting. You know, this is some inside baseball talk. You know, we're giving giving people a little little peek behind the curtain well, I, you know, I, to see I, how, the, I, uh, how the sausage is made. In, in the continuation of inside baseball, I actually have some questions, uh, questions about the Shift Shooters podcast that I or, or really it's one question that I've been meaning to ask okay. for okay. a long time. And, I, and I'll be honest, I'm a little worried to ask it because I'm wondering if it's if it's part of a long con that you've been waiting to see how long it would take me to notice this. Okay. But I've noticed this. I just keep forgetting to mention it. Okay. In our icon, <laughs> the Shift Shooters podcast, uh, Shooters is spelled with three O's. <laughs> No, it is. It is. <laughs> and I have Hold been on. sitting here thinking, like, did he do that on purpose? To And, like, he's wondering to see if I'm paying attention? Like, Wait, I need to pull this up. I think it's really funny. <laughs> but, but yeah, it has three O's. Um, so, here's the thing. <laughs> I am not a I am not a word person. I'm not a I'm not a I'm not a spelling person. You're a shape I'm not person. a I'm a, a shapes and images and colors. <laughs> that that's my that's my realm. All right? That's where I'm myself uh -huh. and I'm safe and I'm happy. When it comes to words, it's like going into the jungle. I don't mm -hmm. know what's going to come at me. I don't know where the danger is going to come from. I don't I, I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to me. So Okay, there was there's an extra O in shooters. I didn't never I didn't notice I've been making this podcast for like four months now. And I didn't notice. So ha ha ha, we can all laugh at me for this for this error. But I'm in I'm in shark shark infested water when I'm typing things out. All right. So this is like this is my danger zone. Right. That's you this that's you really going be. out on a limb for for everyone when you're when you're yeah, exactly. to type and, and and I and I've exposed myself and I'm a little vulnerable. And and we we have now seen that vulnerability play out in real life. So I will be going in. I will be correcting it. Well, it, I, honestly, I kind of like the 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 third O in some ways. It, you know, when you talk about it from a shape perspective, it is very aesthetic. You know, it's like, it's like lists. You want lists of three. We want three O's. <laughs> maybe I can play off. Maybe I can make the the middle O like a target. You know, Ooh. and and it's like we're shooting the target. Well, then we would be shift show ooters sh show otters. I can show look at that actually. Show yeah, otters. We're showing our otters. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, how are you, Sam? Today? I'm I'm doing well. I I've been listening to old podcasts again, which is probably the most egotistical thing I think I could say, because uh, I just love hearing myself talk. And you're in it too, which is also great. You're like my second favorite person, and my favorite person's in there too. Me. 
Um, so it's it's been great. Uh, I noticed something kind of funny about our name also. If you Google Shit Shooters Podcast, you will very quickly find we are not the first <laughs> people to come up with a, a podcast and just call it Shooting the Shit. Or, and, mm-hmm. and there's something very... I don't know, uh, unappealing about every podcast I've seen that has, is like, oh, we're shooting a shit podcast, and it's just two guys, there's one episode, like, it never continues. Well, uh, that that's the problem, is that if you name your podcast that, it gets, like, removed from platforms, so... But, but here's uh, the best thing, since we're shift shooters, that is a unique name. And so yeah. when you search shift shooters on Google, we are the first result. That's great. That's amazing that's, to me. That's, 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 that's fantastic. We, remember how long we spent trying to craft a name in high school for, for the website that never happened? Yeah. Sometimes you just stumble onto them. Exactly. So God, we need something that will be recognizable. Well, yeah. there you go. And we're not involved on like YouTube or anything, so it's not like we have to compete with it like that because you, there's no way to get like an original name on YouTube anymore. Mm-hmm. It's great. You know, it's... it's uh, podcasting is still kind of the wild west and i I enjoy that about it you know you can you can put a no effort show out there and be the first google result you know that that's that's (laughs) that's just good that's a good feeling you know yeah yeah we are we are search engine optimized exactly because what does the name even it, it doesn't mean anything it's a meaningless name and so why would anybody have gone with it exactly yeah exactly like like uh like uh like run dmc or, or 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 mega 64 you know these these things don't mean anything but the attack my fucking phone god damn it quality uh, content it's gonna show up in the that's gonna show up in the recording now i tell myself yeah. put your phone in airplane before you record but then i'd be worried i'd be missing something important potentially so i don't like to do that right okay I mean, you could silence it. You could hit like "Do not disturb." Yeah, yeah. That's that's I think uh, that's the, I think the route we're gonna have to go today. Anyway, that was a much longer silencing of my phone that I had anticipated. How have you been? Travis? Well, you don't have the little switch. So you can't just turn. You can't just press the little switch and turn it off, right? You have to go into the thing and and mess around with the volume settings and like. It, it's a little messy, you know. They didn't quite figure that one out. It's a little different. There's not uh, Apple. You know, they've got that little... I remember I used to play, when I had an iPhone, I would flick that thing back and forth so much, it lost the resistance to flicking. It oh, just dear. kind of started to slide back and forth. You had a weird track record with iPhones, because I feel like all of your iPhones like had weird failures after a while. Like, things that I've never experienced on any device ever. Like, your, your touchscreen failed on yeah. like your last iPhone. Like, I don't know how, I don't know how that happens. I, 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 the touchscreen failed on one. The, the, the coolest one was the battery expanding, because that was just like the phone kind of like slowly exploded. But, uh, yeah, I, I didn't... Which is crazy, ba- because that usually doesn't happen until like 10 years after you buy a device. So I, I must, don't know how... It, how... it must have been. I know uh, in high school, at least, a couple times, I would accidentally leave my phone on the dashboard of my car. Oh. And it would just bake in the sun. And and so I know, uh, I, I, I don't know if you've seen this error message, but there was an error message. I don't know if they, they have an updated one now, probably, just for holistic sake. Uh, but but uh, there was an error message that was literally, hey, your phone is too hot. Like, mm-hmm. cool your phone down. Like, I would hold my phone up to my car's air conditioning to cool it off because it was, like, literally too hot to function. <laughs> 
So it's probably, you know, user error. I don't think it was uh, a failure yeah. on the, the parts per se. That could be, certainly. Um, well, we've talked about phones. That's a fun area of discussion. Everyone can relate to that. Everyone's got a phone. Everyone's got a know? phone. You know, phone, it, 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 here's a, th- a weird thing I like to remind myself every now and then. Uh, I think I am always within five feet of my phone. Like, mm-hmm. even when I'm asleep, even when I, like, like no matter, it's like a second brain. I just always have it with me. Yeah. I, I got, yeah, Do you I think mean, that's good? Oh, do we want to have this discussion? Uh, uh, are our phones good? Um, question of the day. Phone good? Phone good? Phone bad? Jury's out. You know, what about, what about, here's an idea. A phone that you can only make calls with. No texting, no internet, just to talk to people. Think about it, America. Yeah, think, think about it. Think about that. Uh, um, I have... I had an interesting week. Tell me. And we can go into this. I, so three three things happened this week that I want to talk about. Oh, boy. Uh, and and I'll, I'll it'll start with just something I'm happy about, then something I'm really happy about, and then third, a journey that I went on this week. And we're going we're gonna to go in stages. Yeah, we're going like, to take unrelated. a roller coaster to get to the roller coaster is what you're telling yeah, me. Yeah. So there's three things. First off, lowest lowest pressure thing. Uh, I have mentioned in the past in other of our of our joint products that we've released into the world uh, what a big uh, fan I am of Suikoden. Yes. And uh, this week, uh, the the creators of the first two games uh, basically teamed up and are making a spiritual successor. And it looks like the style it, it basically stole the stylistic look of of Octopath Traveler. So it's going for that like cool um, sort of sh- tilt shift sprite work thing that that game was sprite work yeah which i think is like an excellent aesthetic for like bringing back that kind of that kind of vibe so i'm really happy about that i'm gonna keep talking about it as as we get updates kickstarter starting soon you better believe yeah let me know when the kickstarter goes live for that because i'll i'll uh, by the time it comes out i will probably have played suikoden like i'm Mm -hmm. it's on my list in my in my vita i'm just Mm -hmm. still working through some god of wars but yeah I, are, you texted uh, me the other day, and I could already tell your excitement. That's like a Sweet Code in Two is like a top ten game for me. Can you, love... can you describe the the gameplay for for someone who hasn't played it before? Sweet Code in Two is it, it's a couple of things. So it's mainly sort of a classic SNES style. It was a PS One game, but it looks like it could kind of theoretically be like a, a SNES game just with some some better animation. But it's a SNES era inspired JRPG with, um, you know, turn-based battles. But the twist is, is that it's both a character collecting game. So you go out into the world and you try to basically build an army of people. And uh, that army, I mean, I think there's something like 150 total characters you can go out and find. And some of them are really easy to find. Some of them you have to do very specific tasks to get. And they all have very unique personalities and and, um, quirks about them. And you can kind of build a team around the, the people that you like. So it's got a little bit of this Fire Emblem-y thing. And even more so uh, like Fire Emblem, there are sections of the game that are um, turn-based battle, uh, like uh, turn-based uh, strategy battles. So you can also have like these sections where you use your characters in like a, uh, a grid map battle. Uh, and so there's kind of like this dual sort of approach to how you play. But I think what's really strong about the game is that the writing is excellent 
and it's got a really just approachable pace where I think a lot of games from that era today are difficult to go back to. They feel like work. They're really unclear about what they want you to do. And there's a lot of like kind of barriers to entry for people. Uh, but that game, I think, holds up. I think it's really smooth and really, uh, really easy and approachable. And, and I, I, uh, I just think it's got a really uh, strong uh, appeal. Would, would you uh, say that there's a, a kind of rhythm to it? Because that's something that we Absolutely. talked about. Definitely. Yeah. Because yeah. that's something it we has talked kind about of a persona style the... rhythm. Oh, I sorry. Think. Go ahead. I, I would just say that it has a very quick persona style rhythm. It doesn't have that like old Final Fantasy thing of like swooping cameras and stuff that makes everything slow down. Mm-hmm. You get into battle, it's super snappy. The characters move really fast that you can kind of like have everything run automatically if you want to. So it's really, it doesn't feel like it's hard work to get through. Yeah, because really that, that's the thing I, I've been noticing as, I, as I've played more Final Fantasy VII uh, we, we talked about it before, and I, I, I never really noticed it until I think you mentioned, uh, you know, Final Fantasy games, they don't really fall into a rhythm at any point. It just kind of goes and keeps going and keeps mm-hmm. going, and there's just another th- place to go to, and you never feel like you kind of have a home or, or, or like a, even even just a, if not a home, like th- there's no rhythm uh, that I felt mm-hmm. like I got into a comfortable comfortable place at any point. Right. And ultimately, uh, I don't know if I'm going to finish Final Fantasy VII. It's like it's, it's starting to feel a lot more like work than fun. It starts. Uh, it sometimes feel, feels like you're kind of going to burn out after a while. Because it's just unrelenting. It's just like, oh, yeah. there's another thing to do. Oh, there's, oh you yeah. finally got here. Great. There's another thing to do. Like there's never mm-hmm. it, it never feels like. I haven't gotten to a point yet where it's like it, where it feels like achieving the goal has has made me has rewarded me with anything but another goal to seek out. Mm-hmm. Like it's mm-hmm. it's I don't feel like I've been rewarded for my efforts or anything. I don't feel like I've I've gotten to know anybody better for this. It's just it just keeps on pulling you forward and there's no time to wait. There's a bomb going off. Run. Mm hmm. I don't know. Yeah, that that's definitely how I feel. I mean, there are things about those games that I do like, but I, I definitely feel like what I want and why I like Persona and Suikoden so much is that it's more about like giving you, it's kind of letting you off on these systems that are really fulfilling to kind of get through in your own way. Because mm-hmm. the, the cool thing about Suikoden is that like, similar to Persona, Persona has like, the 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 like ultimate path where you can go through and you can get everything and there's sort of like rewards for that but you can also kind of just focus on, in on what appeals to you mm-hmm. and so Coden's the same way there is a reward for getting every single character but you don't have to and you can kind of like focus on developing certain things that you prefer like there's sort of a social mechanic to it and there's there's um you you can like investigate people that interest you and figure out what their quirks are and sort of figure out how to get them. And maybe you want this person, but you don't really care about that person. And mm-hmm. there's just a lot of, of that, of, of sort of like what, like it's like Pokemon. It's like what appeals to you here and you can kind of pursue that or you, or you could min max it, you know, you can do whichever way that you want. And yeah. Final Fantasy doesn't really let you do either. It's kind of like, we just have a set path that we want you to go down and you're going to lose a character in this story beat and you're going to gain them back here. And it's all controlled and, and very directed and, and I think in some cases, maybe the story is good enough to justify that. But I think there's also plenty of, of argument to be made that maybe it's not good enough to be justifying that. And, and I don't know. It's, yeah, it's interesting. I feel like at the very least, when you're going to have a story or a game where, or an RPG where 
the characters are set like that that's not unheard of to me I, I like the tales of games i like the 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 um oh shoot it was i was just about to say it i it was on the tip of my tongue i lost it anyway i like the tales of games i i understand that that, that like uh super mario rpg is the one i was thinking of uh, uh like you know set characters everyone has the same party but the characters all play very differently and so uh well like because of that, I, I like that you, you kind of get a, a feel for, like, there's kind of a, a gameplay mechanic to who they are. You know, Barrett is the tough guy or whatever, you would think. Um, but but in Final Fantasy VII, so I guess that's a terrible example, uh, and, and this is true of recent Fire Emblem games, too, there's just a little too much lack of definition. Like, you can set kind of any, but with the Materia system, it seemed like, Anybody can kind of be anything here, um, and it's the same with like the job system and and uh, or, or class system in in uh, the latest Fire Emblem Three Houses, because anybody can kind of be any class. They're just not that defined to me as characters. Like they just it, it doesn't feel like there's anything unique about them because oh this guy can be a healer or, even, or he can like he can play the exact same way as the Wayfish schoolgirl or whatever and 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 like it's all interchangeable in a way that feels like well no like characters people you would be defined in your actions the same way that like your speech patterns and personality are defined like you I, I like it when a character has a signature move that only they can do because, you know, it's it's who they are sort of a thing. Anyway. That's why I, I really like Awakening so much, uh, because I think that game strikes a good balance where mm -hmm. you can, there is flexibility to let you kind of morph things into a direction you want, but characters have like a very set defined um role and i think that like it plays off of their personalities in a lot of ways that yeah in, in three houses it didn't always really come through mm -hmm. but um yeah so i don't know uh i think i think i think you would like suicode and i'd be really interested to see your opinions on it when you do play everything it, I think i've heard that's... about it seems really cool i mean i i love the idea of mashing up two genres like that i i in it and let alone two of my favorite genres um, the only thing that's really been keeping me is just a little bit of intimidation because it seems so big. Well, one thing I'll note is that I think when I beat Suikoden 2, I only put about 40 hours into it. So it's not like uber long. Um, it, mm -hmm. it, it's not like a, like a mega RPG or anything. Um, it, it was pretty it was pretty manageable. Another thing to note is that the um, the, the strategy element is maybe not as like complex as you may hope for um you may mm. you may play it and, and realize that it's actually pretty shallow like it's usually <laughs> in these very specific story set pieces that are like oh and this is like a we're waiting for the big battle and the big battle happens and it's kind of like hard to know how you could lose if you're not supposed to in this point like it, mm -hmm. it's there but it's not like a a consistently compelling part of the game but i think it's cool that it does contextualize it it's like do you, did you ever play act razor yeah um, it's sort of like how the city building aspect of ActRaiser is definitely not as deep as like SimCity, but it's mm -hmm. cool that it's there to contextualize the the side-scrolling action. Yeah, you know it, what I mean? If I'm not mistaken, I think we encountered ActRaiser at the same time uh, our, our, our mutual friend found it, like his old SNES, and he just put ActRaiser in it, and I'd never heard of the game. 
Uh, and I remember we were playing through it together, but the cartridge was bugged because you couldn't save. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and and we were getting reasonably far, but I remember that we're, there was kind of like a oh man, where do we want to build this? Where do we want to, like how do we solve these problems? And mm-hmm. I, even in the moment, I could kind of tell like well, the problems are place a water source. Like it's not really right, a problem. Right. It's just like mm-hmm. ooh, it's neat that I'm defining how the map looks. Kind of a. And and there's a lot of games that I think do that where it's a component of the picture, but it's not maybe as deep as something that focuses in on that specifically. Like Persona is another example where like it's definitely not as deep as like a like a visual novel Mm -hmm. dating sim where you have to maneuver all these complicated like dialogue choices and social things. It's really straightforward, but it's cool that it's it's part of the equation to have that be like part of your success, you know, is that you have to navigate characters, even if it's a pretty light engagement, I think it's still nice to have that element there. Mm-hmm. And so I would say that like, I think Suikoden is stronger for having that, but it's definitely not like the, 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 the center of appeal. So mm-hmm. I, I think that um, um, maybe I, I oversold that element, but I, again, I'll be interested to see what you say, but um, I have, that was that, that was the first thing. That was that number one, ladies week. and gentlemen, that's, our, that's only the first bump on this roller coaster of a conversation. Stay tuned. Coming at you, number two. Uh, after the commercial break, we have no sponsorship, so that yeah. doesn't exist. But Here we go. Number and two, Travis, um, number two. I love talking to... over you for this. <laughs> you know, all you're doing is building up suspense. It's it's uh-huh. just benefiting me in the end. So, and you know. uh, number two. Here we go. Number two. <laughs> so related to what we were talking about, uh, the Vita, uh-huh. right? Vita's a good system. We both love the Vita. So S- Sam and I... For context here, we were both, uh, you know, foot soldiers in the great amiibo war of, of 2015. You know, we were we were in the trenches. What a good time. We were, we were, you know, holding up. We were we were rushing in orders. You know, as soon as they went up, we were we were letting each other in on, on trade secrets, you know, getting those connections, trying to get those rare figs as they Making were releasing. The, the, you know, the Craigslist deal out by the Taco Bell. Just off the having to having to deal with all the retail exclusivity bullshit that was happening back then. Yeah, that was a that was a good time because that was like this this collector fever that I think is has been a rare experience for both of us where there's been a consistent thing that's hard to find and like the thrill of getting one is such a strong emotion, you know. Yeah, and I and I miss that. I, I wish that there was something that wasn't like crazy expensive that I could I could do with that and. Um, you know, and, and sometimes it comes and goes, but I did have a moment this week that brought me back to that. Hmm. Uh, so the Vita uh, is an out of production system. They're not making any more of them and games have stopped being made as well. So there's no more cartridges, at least in North America specifically. I believe in Asia, maybe there's still some being made, but in North America, we are, there are no more game, physical Vita games coming out. Uh, they are done uh, releasing them and it went out with a bang this week. We had one last release, hmm. and it was a very special release because it was a game that I love. It was the last North American Vita game to be put on a cartridge was Papers, Please. Wow. And it was by Limited Run Games, and they only made 3,000 of them. And so they announced when they were going to go on, on sale... Uh-huh. everybody was storming it because there are a lot of people out there because there aren't that many games who are determined to get a complete Vita collection. Uh-huh. Now I'm not one of those people. I don't have a, a complete Vita collection, but I do love papers, please. And I love the Vita. So getting the last physical release 
of a game I happen to really love has been something I've been waiting for since they announced they were making it like a year ago. Wow. So I've been basically waiting all year for this release, and it finally got announced when, when it was going to be sold. And it went up on sale uh, on Wednesday, and they did two rounds, so each one was 1,500 copies. Uh-huh. First one was at 7 in the morning. I slept in until 7.02, and I missed it. Wow. So I, I, I didn't... So this, I, is, this is BlizzCon split, speed. This is if you weren't... Yeah, this is... L- 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 if you didn't refresh 10 pa- pages when this started, exactly. you didn't have a chance. Exactly. And there were a lot of people who were like, oh, damn, I missed it, but there's another another one at, at, at three. So I waited, and I had the page open. Had There was a countdown timer on it, and, you know, three, three o'clock came. I was refreshing like crazy, and I got it. Wow. That's a good feeling. That's a good ass feeling, and I was looking at the Twitter response. So they they posted like it's live, everybody go get it, mm-hmm. and all the responses, like I mean, hundreds and hundreds of them were just like, "What the fuck? I didn't get it." Like I missed it, it. it I was, missed it. Like I was refreshing, and I put my info in, and it's gone. And it's like, how did I get it? What did I do? What miracle occurred where somehow I beat all the bots and all the the, the spammers and shit and the the resellers who got ten copies or what? Yeah, like, see, how that, did I get one? That's the thing that that bums me out is I know the competition you faced were like, it, it wasn't just other loyal fans. It was, it was people who also wanted to resell it. Cause those people, because it, it started going exist. up on eBay for like $500 immediately. Oh my God. You know? So, um, it, I, it was definitely a crazy moment. And that's like the hardest my heart has raced in like years. Like since the gold Mario amiibo was put out for like five minutes, you yeah, know, it, it's funny. I don't know you'd think I would get that rush from magic cards, but I just don't. Uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. That, that like, oh, this thing that's hard to get that like the Skull Kid statue I have, uh, not the mask, but the the little one that oh, came with Majora's, the Majora's mask. mask collectors. Yeah. That one was remarkably hard to find. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and I remember like getting that was a, a, a trek where I, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, went out overnight with a bunch of people uh, uh, and, and we waited at, at a, fries over in Salinas like or not Salinas it was it was uh oh where was it it's been blocked from my memory because it was such a scarring night this was in Southern California so it couldn't have been Salinas um Mm -hmm. but I I know exactly what you're describing of 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 want like feeling that satisfaction of like oh I wanted it and I waited for it and I got it and like I feel so lucky to have it and and the disgusting part of it is that part of that feeling is knowing that there are so many other people who didn't and are having a shitty day because of it. That, like I that's mean, kind of part of the component of it, isn't it? You know, there there definitely is a, a factor in that. I remember uh, uh, when I was living in Japan uh, for my semester abroad, I saw I, I went to Akihabara right when uh, uh, Project Diva F was coming out, and there mm-hmm. was a Hatsune Mika Amiku Vita. That was like, oh yeah. Th- th- it was Absolutely. the white one that had her on mm-hmm. the back, and mm-hmm. uh, I was looking for it. And ultimately, I did find it. I, I like I literally had it in my hands. Went up to the cash register, and I was super nervous. And and this dude was also clearly like kind of pissed off that some white guy was was walking off with the last one. Um, oh. But uh, you know, I I gave him my card, and it was declined. Uh, oh, because no. it was like an international traveling like hey you're about to s- spend five hundred dollars internationally like no way uh oh, i don't think no. it was that much but 
that has like stayed with me. And I have recently looked up the mm-hmm. price and just like, man, like how much is that Vita? Like, I'm just curious, like just to have, cause mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not big on collector consoles too much, but every now and then, Handhelds is a little different. I feel like if there's like. a good that's story kind of a, with it, if it if it yeah. if, if it really brings a memory to mind, I have uh, the Majora's Mask 3DS from that that same night of of going out with some friends, finding a fries that had no line and camping out there. It was probably mm-hmm. the one of the worst experiences of my life. Uh, like so many people were pissed off. Uh, our, and... our, one of the friends of ours who was with you was so pissed off about that night that he gave me his collector's edition. Like, yeah. He just handed it. He, I didn't even pay him for it. Like he just gave it to me because he yeah. didn't want to think about it anymore. Yeah. I, 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 uh, the, the, the memory I have most clearly was we were in the line. There were three of us and there were two guys who were, who had been in the line before us. So, so we were, you know, spots three, four and five. And they said, okay, we have, uh, like f- six collector's editions and we have four uh, uh, uh like of the of the 3ds console hmm. and so what that translated to because the guy the first two guys were gonna of course get it that meant right. okay there's two consoles for the three of us so somebody's gonna have to sit it out and and everyone get we get each one of us gets a collector's edition but like the one guy after us got one and then there was like 40 other people who were showing up oh. from like 4 uh, 4 a.m. on who got nothing because yeah. <laughs> the, the, the s- supplies were so low. And I remember, you know, we had this kind of discussion like, OK, guys, like we can all get a collector's edition. That's great. But uh, what about the console? Like the, we, we really wanted the console. And what it came down to was uh, one of our friends did not have a 3DS, so he needed a mm-hmm. console. So that, that, right, was, that was the answer for him. And then. Our other friend, uh, the the friend who gave you the uh, the collector's edition, just said, "You know what, Sam? Like, it's your favorite game. Like, you should have it." Mm-hmm. And I remember it just slipped out. But it, like, if you ever seen Lord of the Rings, where when when like Frodo shows Bilbo the ring one last time, and he goes, <laughs> like he like turns into a yeah, monster I do. for a second. I do remember that. Yeah. It was like that. It was like as soon as they told me, like, "Oh yeah, like Sam, it's your favorite game." Game, of course you could. I went like, "Yes, thank you." Like, I, I literally went, "Yes!" Like I felt like such a goblin. Like I felt like <laughs> such a, a greed nick. And I like immediately was like, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry. I don't know what that was." <laughs> like something came mm. over me, and and so I I keep that that 3ds. Even though I don't even play my 3DS that often anymore, it's my you know one of my favorite systems because it's like a scar. Like I'll, I'll always right. remember that night as, as as like a reminder for hey, if you're gonna wait overnight for a physical release of something, don't do it. Like it's never gonna be <laughs> worth it. Like this was your favorite game on your favorite console, mm-hmm. and it wasn't worth it. <laughs> I, I feel like the era of of waiting outside of a store for like something like that is over. I don't feel like Nintendo's done things like that. Like I, I can't Gosh, remember it's... the last release of something where you had to like there were like five of them in a store and you had to line up. And yeah, then was that gone. was the last one that I remember. But uh, I mean, I I also after that one made a kind of point of saying never again. Like I'm not gonna look at these things like that again i think everything has just gone online and now you just the pre-orders are just all for online and then they go and they sell out quick online yeah i I feel like 
Well, plus, like a lot of the retailers are gone, so um, that's a big component of it too. But I, yeah, I just I don't ever hear about people lining up for for things at like four in the morning anymore. And obviously, like even before COVID. Um, I mean, I, I imagine the next situation that I would expect to see it is like the new console launches and stuff, like stuff like that, where it's like a big physical release. Maybe, but that that's that's a little different. I'm thinking of like something that if you if you're not there, you're not getting it. Yeah, oh, ever. I see. I guess like because the the Animal Crossing Switch was a hot thing, uh-huh. but I I feel like all of the battling over that was was just over online retailers. Like I feel like everyone got that there, and and it was available for like five seconds on Amazon, and then it yeah. was gone. But I I don't know. Um, yeah, so that that's a we. I mean, th- those experiences are interesting. I during the Amiibo era, uh, I I waited in line for 16 hours once for Amiibo. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and this was back when I was in college. So I kind of had like the freedom and, and, you know, ability to sort of throw away a whole day like that. <laughs> uh, and it was in New York. So it was at the Nintendo world store and there were probably 2000 people in that line. Jeez. It was like, it basically turned into an Amiibo block party. Yeah. Like, it was insane. Uh, and everyone got them. Like they had enough for everybody, which is amazing. Um, That's good. That's the best part. Because I I remember I I have a memory waiting in line for it was like the day I think that Ness was going to be available for pre-orders. Ness was an interesting experience. So so it was uh, a friend of mine and I, uh, the same friend actually that gave you the game. Uh, His name is Will. Hi, Will. Uh, Hi, Will. (laughs) Will and I went to uh, uh, GameStop together, and there was a line, and we were waiting in the line, and I, you know, we all experienced it in real time. You know what I'm going to say? The system went down, and GameStop broke GameStop. It broke GameStop. Like there were so many orders happening simultaneously across the United States that GameStop's register system was overloaded like mm-hmm. n- not even let alone like uh uh you know uh, too many pre-orders it like they just could not process the mm. amount of requests they were getting um yeah. from from official stores <laughs> mm-hmm. but i remember it was so wild that like people were waiting in line and for like 20 minutes hour like just waiting with no real like ETA of will this be resolved? Will this be fixed? But we didn't mm-hmm. want to leave because we knew if we left, we wouldn't ever get them for this for the right price. It was it was a GameStop exclusive, yeah. So it was only going to be sold there. Yeah, that was nuts. And and the the extra texture of this is that you know Majora's Mask was your favorite game. Earthbound is Will's favorite yes. game. So that was like a big deal for him, I'm sure, to get that. And uh, yeah, so I mean, I remember like I was in the GameStop in New York, too, and like everything shut down. There were a bunch of people there. I think I was like number two in line or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, it like I had to sit there for like an hour while they figured it out. Yeah. And uh, it was it was a nightmare. Yeah. Uh, and then the funny thing is I went to the Nintendo World lineup and that was during that wave and I got a second nest. So I got another one there and it, I didn't need to even go to GameStop for it. <laughs> But you didn't know. How could you have known? That's the thing. How could I have known? And so I have I have the first nest just right here on my desk. There it is. Aww. So the good memory of being stuck in that GameStop. Uh the the very GameStop that apparently uh Danny Sexbang used to work at oh, so, really? uh, in Manhattan. Yeah. Uh, he didn't work there then, but apparently he he once worked in that GameStop. So Wow. Connections. Fun little story there. Yeah, I, I, I you're also reminding me I, I, I completely forgot about this till just now. But do you remember how uh, the exclusives were like kind of they 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 
kind of had a, a, a theme to them for, for which characters were exclusive to which companies. And so I'm thinking yeah. in particular, I remember, I think it was the Target exclusives were Rosalina, Jigglypuff, and uh, was there one more? I can't remember if there was one more or not, but like it stood out that like the lifestyle brand wanted the amiibo exclusivity for the ones that were like girly, like the the, the ones that would attract moms yeah. was the uh, was what people kind of suggested. I, I don't remember Jiggly. I thought in my memory, I thought Jigglypuff was a Walmart exclusive, but that might be incorrect. Oh, did I, I did I mess that one up? I might have mistaken that. I don't one. remember. Maybe it was Target. I don't. I mean, they all blend in my memory. Um, I remember the worst though. Being... Lucario was uh, Toys R Us. I remember. Yeah, Lucario was Toys R Us. Uh, that was ama- that was annoying. That was Toys R Us disaster. was a really bad web web system. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, I remember Rosalina being like, that was one that very few people got. Yeah. I think Target's got like two of them a piece. Yeah, like, it, it, it was it was not good. And luckily, uh, the, the the great news is is for the most part, with with some exceptions. I think like the exceptions being like gold and silver Mario or something like that. Uh, almost all the ami- amiibo back catalog has been filled. Like if if you want any amiibo character, you could probably get it for thirteen dollars. And, and even if even if it's not, I think the values have just dipped generally. Like I don't think there's really any amiibo besides the gold Mario. I know that one's still valuable, but I don't think there's very very many that have like maintained value. Yeah, um, there might be some that like people get a little specific about because I remember the first two rare ones were the Villager and Marth, and those have separate runs so you can tell visually the difference yeah. between an original martha villager and a second one i think you actually have the original run villager that i bought i think i gave that to i think you. yeah you did give that to me um and you can tell me. because it has much bigger eyes than the uh the 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 re-release um that was an interesting experience too from the top so i can't actually tell I'm actually not sure if I have that villager. I think actually that you still have that villager. Maybe you gave it back to me because you got rid of a bunch of them, and I. Took I think some. I gave it back to you when when I got rid of because I didn't want to open it. I didn't want to unbox mm-hmm. it because I knew how valuable it was, and I mm-hmm. think I gave it back to you because I knew you would keep it secret and safe. It's probably yeah. I have a bu- all of my amiibo practically are in like our storage locker in our building. I mean, that's but, I, I totally get it. I, I basically uh, when I was super depressed, I think this was last year. Uh, I I did a big purging of all my collectibles, and and with that, I kind of said I realized that uh, what I had done in L.A. was I literally displayed my amiibos in the box on the wall, like I hung them up. And uh, I like to say I accidentally turned my uh, room into like a, a Walmart. Like I, I turned my room into a retail experience, which mm-hmm. like is cool until you realize how dystopic and depressing it is. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and so I just had this decision of okay, like I will only keep the amiibo that I, I am cool with opening. I don't want to hold on to any packaging, and that mm-hmm. was one that I remember I didn't want to open but I didn't want to get rid of it. I like, I didn't want to just give it away. Like I wanted to make sure it was going somewhere where I could, you know, still see that it was in good hands. Yeah. I, I've thought about stuff like that too. And there have been things that I've definitely gotten rid of, but at the same time, I've been, I, I've been aware of like maybe people on YouTube or whatever, who, who are older, like in their late thirties or forties who did hold on to shit 
and are like really happy they did. Mm -hmm. And I know that I would be in that position where I would like be 45 years old someday and have the space for this kind of stuff and like really regret not keeping it. Um, yeah, so the... I, I, and maybe that's just me. I, obviously, there are a lot of people who don't feel that way, who are like, don't want clutter, don't want shit that's not important. But I, my personality is the type where I would want that. So I think it's um, it's more just uh, if you really want it in your life, if you really care about it, uh, uh, you'll find room for it. You'll you'll give it a home, mm -hmm. so to speak. So like the difference mm -hmm. to me between clutter and like a collection that you care about. Is probably your collections on display, or like you, you have it curated in some way. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I totally agree with you. I have a memory burned into my mind of, of I think it was I was just starting high school, uh, and and I was just blasting Castlevania music, cleaning my room, like carrying just loads and loads of garbage cans out, like garbage bag after garbage bag. And I remember specifically, I had all my Yu-Gi-Oh and Pokemon cards in a Ziploc bag for some reason, and I just dropped him into the trash can. And I remember I, thinking, like, ah, oh, do I really want to do this? And I did it. And I, I and not a day goes by that I don't think about what could have been. Yikes. That's... That's disappointing to hear. Yeah. Man. I still... Yeah, I still have the Pokemon cards. I haven't really ever thought about what I would do with those. They don't take up that much space because they're just in a book. But, um... And I never had like a complete collection either, so I don't know if it would even really be worth that much. But I've thought about it. I know that some some cards do go for a lot of money uh, if they're in pristine condition. Um, and I don't know if mine are or not, but I, I really haven't investigated that. But they have so much like I, I just it was such a that was such a, a a pivotal like impressionable time for me was was the whole Pokemon card thing. Like mm -hmm. I, I would venture to say that uh, you know being six and seven when that was going on. Uh, nothing in the world mattered to me more than those cards. Like, mm -hmm. that was all I gave a shit about in life. And uh, so I have, like, a lot of this, like, sort of just emotional attachment to those things. Or just I look through them and that, that feeling washes over me. Oh, again I, of, like, I feel how the much, same way. How much, it, uh, how much it impacted me. But, yeah, it's so funny to think, like, they really, like, it's just cardboard. Like, it, what what was it? About? And I didn't play the game. Like, it, it, I just liked the pictures and, yeah, and I, getting I, more of them. I was talking to somebody, a customer came in just yesterday at work, uh, and and we were talking about just the, the appeal of certain games. This guy had been into, he'd been following Wizards of the Coast for years and years and years. And he kind of was saying that, like, yeah, you know, Dungeons and Dragons and Traveler and, you know, these big games, they're really fun. But there's something just really attractive about cards. Like, having a hand of cards is cool. Like, it's a really easy way to distribute your information. Like, every card is self-contained. Like, it has enough that it's legible. Uh, uh, and you should be able to understand how it functions in your game. Uh, with or without it. Like, uh, or, 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 like without needing the core rules or any other reference. Um and even if you don't play the the game in the case of Pokemon, like just the way that it's presented and like they've got a little quote at the bottom and, you know, the artwork is so, so lovely. I think I told you uh, uh, through circumstance, I was lucky enough to get a complete collection of of the original. They're not original run because they, they mm. reprinted a bunch of them in, in a pack called Evolutions a couple years ago. But okay, it's basically the original set of Pokemon cards. Oh, that's nice. 
Yeah, I, I'm very happy with it. And and it, like you say, every now and then I do just like flip it open and go, oh, yeah. Like, look at this old ass electrode card. Hell mm-hmm. fucking yeah. <laughs> yeah, I it's it's weird because I've I've tried to dabble with like trading card games, like the actual act of playing them. And I, I this is a whole separate conversation. But I, mm-hmm. I for me, the issue has always just been like it's a little too theoretical. Like, I, I kind mm-hmm. of want there to be like um the, the metaphor to be more direct of like what's happening. I like stuff like Catan because I really feel like I'm building a little island community, you know, and that really yeah. matters to me. Whereas with cards, I'm kind of like, it, it, the mechanics are more the focus than like the the fantasy, I guess. And, and yeah. um, sometimes I, I kind of like get annoyed when other games kind of incorporate cards too close into the, the core mechanic because it feels so disconnected from anything to me. Um, yeah, but I, I I do really enjoy that like they are self-contained things that each have like this value set to them, and I can look through Pokemon cards and I can get like both an image and information out of them, and I think in that context specifically, I really appreciated that, and I love especially with Pokemon cards that at least during the original era, there were kind of like a set number of artists who contributed mm-hmm. to those and they all sort of had like a unique style. So some cards had like this CG art on yeah. them and then other ones had like this watercolor look. And then some of them were like kind of almost paper cutout kind of uh-huh. designs. It just like they, they, they were able to kind of like do their own things and it didn't all fit into this like specific theme. And, and there was sort of a, like a flow to it. And I really love that. Um, I still have the book of the Pokemon cards and they are organized the exact same way that I had them organized when I was a kid. I, mm. all, the only thing I ever did was I put them in the little sleeves and I just kept adding more to it and I would organize them in a specific way, but it kind of was like an additive process. So the first mm. couple of pages have not changed since I was six and mm. it's just been that way. Like they've been just locked in that position forever. And uh, I just, I, that that whole thing, I mean brings back a lot of uh, a lot of memories uh and it's so funny because i was way into pokemon cards before i was ever into the game like mm-hmm. that was all i uh, all i don't I really know anybody who played the game initially i think everybody was just into it for the collecting gotta catch them all aspect of I, it. I even mean like the game boy games like i didn't play pokemon mm-hmm. red or blue i never played red or blue i the, oh, my wow. first pokemon game was gold which i played like maybe a couple of years after i started collecting the cards um mm-hmm. So yeah, that was, a, I mean, that definitely created that bug in me where I now chase that like kind of high of, of getting a lot of something. And I've, I've, Amiibo was really the biggest adult manifestation of that. And I think since then I've kind of like gotten more just sort of building up like an eclectic library of things that appeal to me as opposed to getting all of something. And even with Amiibo, I feel that way because I didn't mm-hmm. collect every Amiibo. I only collected the Smash Brothers Amiibo right. and then kind of got a handful of other things that I thought were cool. But um, it's kind of also just... I, I maybe that's why magic just doesn't do that, have that same effect for me. Uh, I, I do not consume magic in a way where I think of the sets as like a complete set. I'll, I'll think mm-hmm. of like a block or I'll think of like, oh, I, I can determine what this card is from based on the set symbol. But right. I do know, of course, there are collectors who say like, yeah, I want to have, you know, one card of every card in the set. And, and, mm-hmm. and so... I, I'm sure there are people who collect magic cards, but... Uh, I feel like the majority of people who engage with magic do so for the game. I feel like that's but, the value I mean, of magic cards to people, is, is well, their, their usefulness. That, where did I put it? Uh, I, I say that, and then... 
I have right here, uh, this is my collection of, uh, of Godzilla magic cards. Oh, right. You, you mentioned those. Yeah. Yeah. So like, like I, I do understand the collecting aspect for like the, the, the premium aspect, but I think most people are, are most interested in the game. Yeah. I will yeah. say though, not to, not to get lost in the conversation, um, I definitely agree with you. Sometimes cards, uh, the, the, the gameplay is just too theoretical. Like, uh, I remember it was kind of an epiphany to me when I realized in, in the Pokemon trading card game, the colors do have archetypes attached to them. So like mm -hmm. fire type Pokemon generally will always just want a bunch of energies and then they blow them all off for one big right. attack or water type mm -hmm. Pokemon are pretty adept at getting energies out of your deck. Um, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Grass-type Pokemon are pretty good at healing themselves as well as dealing damage. Um, right, of course. So there's usually, you know, a, a mechanic there. But I, I agree, in the case of Pokemon, it just never quite tracked. Like, I didn't, I didn't mm -hmm. quite see what the connection was between the mechanic and what they were saying. And also, like, Pokemon as a core, because, like, you would never evolve a Pokemon in the middle of battle, but that is totally how the card game works. Yeah. And that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Like, it just, like, there are mechanics that are designed around it being a card game, mm -hmm. as opposed to it being a Pokemon game, And if I, that makes sense. I will say, uh, in the case of Magic, I do like that they have, the way that the cards are presented, it is both metaphorical and literal. Like, like mm -hmm. the, the, car, the cards will have a... a you know, text that will be like, oh, you know, uh, self, uh, there's like a selfless savior. It's a new card that's a little dog. And, and what it is, it's a little dog that uh, you can sacrifice him and he gives another permanent you control indestructible. Um, right. And the little flavor text says, uh, you know, she, uh, he, he uh, she saved his life and, and cared for him and gave him a good home. And with his final act, uh, he thanked her. And it's like, oh, it's a kind of nice little flavor of, of mm. hypothetically, this dog is raised by whatever you sacrifice it for. <laughs> mm. um, yeah, that's nice. But then there's also the a, a very literal uh, um, uh, translation of, of the mechanics in that in Magic, the, the, the concept uh, whenever you sit down to play it is you are a wizard of the multiverse who is dueling another wizard of the multiverse you are accessing these primal five elements to conjure up images of your adventures on, on other planes is basically the idea. Um, mm. So I, I, I do like that they've... And, and then the, the different colors, the elements, uh, the mana, uh, reflect different things. Like, I do like that uh, black is not evil. It is the color of, of uh, uh, I think it's like self-interest and... Uh, ambition like it's it's not evil it's usually evil but it's it's like sometimes it's the, there are instances where a black card will be you know a, 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 I don't know like a, a priest or or some like uh, I don't know I'm, I'm losing my words here but like a missionary or, or some you know something that kind of turns it on turns it on its head uh, mm -hmm. the point I'm getting at more than anything, Travis, that I hope you'll take away from this conversation, is that if we lived near each other, I would try to get you to play Magic. And, I'm sure you would. Uh, yeah. uh, I, I, all I'll say is there's a lot of different ways to play it. 
I think Commander is the best because there's the most flavor there. Uh, you can really do the most with your cards. But but uh, yeah, I, I would try. I would try, and I might succeed. I'm sure you might. You know that, that's yet to be seen. So yeah. Anyway, if you feel like uh, you're up but, to the challenge. If I'm if I'm right on this on, on to, to catch us up here, we're, we just went down the second whoa yes. hill of the roller coaster. Right. And now we're about Getting to back go... on the chain lift. You know, we're going back up. But but, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget, this last drop is not just a drop; it's a journey. Yeah, this one's a little bit of a trip. So the I mentioned before, I don't remember which episode that our TV's been out for repairs, right? Oh, mm-hmm. The saga has concluded, and it was not how I expected it to to happen. So mm-hmm. what happened was we bought this really nice TV. That had uh, local dimming. Do you know what that is? No. So most TVs up until now are like edge lit, meaning the lights that light up the TV are along the edges. Mm-hmm. And it just sort of like splashes the whole screen with with light. So that when it's black, it's really more of kind of a gray. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's not, the light doesn't go away. There's still light. It's just black yeah. image with light. It's, you're projecting black. Yeah. Local dimming means the lights are behind the pixels. So they can actually dim areas that are dark. Ooh. Basically meaning that like when it's when an area of the TV is black, it is like actually fully black. Uh-huh. Like it is off. So it's a newer technology. TVs nowadays that are higher end do this because it like makes the contrast a lot better. And it kind of almost looks like OLED uh, in certain instances. Hmm. And so we got a TV like that and it was really great. Except it was the first high end TV that Vizio had ever made. And it had a defect Uh-oh. where, like, an, the area of the middle of the TV would just dim out randomly. So it would just, like, this black area would yeah, flash. Yeah, that's the dimmer, dude. Uh, and it that's turns out it was a very common issue. Feature. So I, But luckily, we bought the TV back in October, so it was still under warranty. So I took it to the store where I bought it, which was an open box store, meaning they, they sell basically, like, the unused returns from Costco for, mm-hmm. like, half price. Uh, and they took it back and they're like, okay, well, you know, it's still under warranty. So we'll send it to the shop to get it fixed. So they do that, uh, three weeks or four weeks later. So like a long time, I finally get the call. Hey, they couldn't fix it, but we have a replacement for you. So come pick it up. It's, it's another one, same TV. It's great. doesn't have the problem. So we, we, I drive all the way there and, uh, this was on, this was also on Wednesday. Yes, this was on Wednesday. So I drove all the way there. I rented a car. Drove, rented like a, I rented like a minivan, and I went over there to pick it up. And uh, the, because it's an open box store, all the TVs have to be tested in front of the customers to make sure that they work. Because, like, again, they were returned by somebody at some point, so it could have whatever issue. Mm-hmm. So they pull out the TV, put it up on the, on, on the pedestal to test it out, and immediately it shows the same problem. Oh, no. Uh, it had the exact same middle area dark, uh-huh. and I had to like convince them what I was seeing because it, they didn't want to believe me. They were like, "Are you sure that they, it, this showed the same problem?" And I, uh, I kind of hate I was that. Like, yeah. I, I don't like it when when people gaslight you. Just like, mm, I, I'm not sure if if that's really there. Like, it's right there. It's, it's the lights yeah. are off. Like, and so what I had to do was I had the because conv- it would really only show it on like the main like the main menu of the system software, which requires you to like hook it up to the Wi-Fi and, and get that all set up. So I had to make them do that. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, you're going to have to set this up with the Wi-Fi so I can show you, go around the menu and show you what's happening. Cause it would happen the most on the main menu. Yeah. And so I did that 
and it started showing up and they were like, God damn it. It is the same problem. Uh-huh. And they were like, did they give us back your TV? Like, did they accidentally like swap it Send out the, for the wrong the one? And I was back. like, I have the original receipt right here. We can check the serial number. Uh-huh. And sure enough, it was another TV that had the exact same problem. Wow. And uh, they didn't have any more of them in stock because it, it's it's an older TV from, I think, 2018. Uh-huh. So they basically, like, went in the back room and I heard them yelling at, like, the, the repair shop for, like, an hour. Wow. Of them trying to figure out what happened. Like, why the fuck does this TV have the same problem? You said you fixed it. You said it was correct. And, like, and what they should have done, the big boo-boo of the store was not testing it before Yes. calling me to to to, yeah. <laughs> to I was, I was to just going to say <laughs> uh so it really ultimately was on them and what I ended up doing was I said hey why don't you just refund me everything and I buy a different TV and that's and and they were like okay we'll talk about it with the manager so they go back and they ta- have another argument over this because they didn't want to do that because yeah. that basically means they lose out on on a whole TV essentially because yeah. what 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 they want is for the warranty that I paid for the warranty company to end up taking the the the, the like, damage the responsibility for yeah. replacing the TV. But if I returned it, then it's on the store, and they don't want to have that be the case because that means they're out like seven hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. So they waited, and they were like, "All right, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna give you some options here. So either you could return it and buy a different TV." Or we'll give you $150 and then in a couple months when your secondary warranty starts and it's you can deal with it with that company and they'll replace it. And I was like, no, I'm going to deal with this today. So <laughs> Yeah, that's a weird – why on earth would anyone take that deal? <laughs> because they were trying to give me – like if they gave me $150, bucks, yeah. that would ultimately mean that I walked out with $150 bucks more. But, but you, that meant the store didn't have to deal it, with it. Yeah, yeah, you'd be paying for it a different way. And then I'd have to bring it back anyway in like a couple of months, and I didn't yeah. want to. I didn't want to deal with it ever again. So I, I was like, Nah, no, nah, that's bullshit. I'm nah, gonna, we're doing I'm gonna this today. Return this, and I'm gonna buy a better TV. So I did, and I walked out of the store with uh, three hundred dollars for a sixty-five inch, like brand new, uh, like a mega HDR four K TV. Uh, for $300, the warranty restarted, so it started on Wednesday. It's not like it's, not like it's, it's at not the same point. Yeah. It's, it's a brand new warranty for three years, and uh, I got it for $300. So That's... I think I made out like a bandit here. Yeah. I think I, I won the day. You know, I turned, I turned some, some shitty lemons into some delicious lemonade, and I got to say, man, I've, I, I've, been, I've been playing Last of Us. And ooh, those those the the colors and the light. Oh, those, it's great. Those shadows so, are dark and those lights are bright. This TV, I think, normally retails for two thousand dollars. Wow! So I uh, I got quite a yeah. You you was, did make off like a bandit. That's so, awesome. And, and it is it is the size of our wall, and it is just it is overwhelming. And so I uh, I am quite pleased. So a lot of good things happened this week. Congratulations! That's, uh, that's awesome. That's that's been you know that's been the journey that I've 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 been on. So I hope everyone enjoys hearing me brag about all the all the good things that happened in my life. You know that's that's kind of how we're how we do on this show. You know. Yeah. Well, that's. Uh, I, I'm afraid I don't really. I didn't bring anything else to discuss, but we're we're just. Well, that's out of all right time. because we're out of time. Oh, so well, fantastic! You know, I didn't save any time to talk about your things because, frankly, I thought it wouldn't be as interesting. So, uh, I, I hope I, that was a joke, everybody. 
I love Sam. Sam's a good friend of mine. You know, you know, you know actually, I wanted... this this actually is a really good point, though, uh, that I, I do feel like is worth bringing up, because in listening to an old episode, I did want to, I've heard myself make a lot of mistakes, which is just the best feeling. But one thing I, I wanted to bring up, um, just because this is a good opportunity, is uh, we talked previously about uh, how uh, uh, at a team building meeting, uh, uh uh, a manager of mine sang Springtime for Hitler and it made me uncomfortable. If Travis sang Springtime for Hitler for me, I wouldn't be uncomfortable because, like, we have the, we know each other, like, you're my friend. Like, we know each other, mm-hmm. we have that history. And that's maybe the difference that I didn't specify was that, like, this was, like, somebody, A, who had, like, power over me in no uncertain way, but also, like, didn't have that that uh, prerequisite of like clearing the air that this was just a joke and like what's yeah. more even if they did after the fact they came up and apologized to me like it, it so yeah. they must have felt weird about it too but mm-hmm. uh, I just wanted to clarify like hey you can be offensive when it's somebody who who knows that you're joking. <laughs> well, maybe up to a line. <laughs> up to a as line. long as you as long as you know what each other's intentions are because yes. I do think that like you know, your friends can turn out to be shitty. That that's a possibility. You never know. Yeah, and, sometimes and, that happens. It, but we've known each other for over a decade. I think we're kind of safe at this point. We know what each other's deal is. So, uh I, I think I think or at, at, at if, the if very people least, are concerned at at the very least, we've known each other so long that I'm willing to give you the benefit of the doubt that, like, no, Travis isn't racist. Like, he's he's enjoying a lovely Mel Brooks song. Yeah, though I don't think I would I would because even even if even if it was you know you got it, I don't think everyone would get it. So I wouldn't probably sing "Spring Time for Hitler" in that's public. Fair. That's fair. And I don't hey, think that would, that's something a choice I would make. That's fair. That's totally fair. But uh, yeah, that's a good a good note to end on. A little a little disclaimer for everybody: we're very good friends. We uh, th- this Travis is just a not, way for us. Does not pay me. Uh, no. uh, he didn't just want to make a podcast, so he opened up a Craigslist ad and just hey, looking for alternate lifestyle type uh, <laughs> to bounce all of to, my to my normal ass of. shit off of. Uh, <laughs> So just for the, uh, the the comedy of contrast, you know? Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> that's what we do. We contrast each other. <laughs> we don't just feed into each other's bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I hope everyone appreciates that and, uh, and, and you know, enjoys, uh, you know, enjoys the, the fire or the spark and the, the, the flint and the, and the iron or whatever you need to make a fire. I don't know. Um, I was never a boy scout. So I didn't play Minecraft. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Uh, uh, anyway, hope everyone has a great week. We'll be back at you again with more shit. Oh, here it and, comes. Uh, here comes the music fading in. I love this part. Yeah. Um, this song is called, uh, so sweet. And I, uh, I really dig it. So, uh, listen to the end. You'll get all those links. You'll know where to go. Find those. Find the music. I think. I think one of those. I think uh, the the intro song uh, was actually released on vinyl recently, so you might be able to even get that. Yeah, if you can get me a link, I, I would absolutely get that. I don't know, buy that on vinyl. Yeah, I don't know if it's still available though. I'll have to. Oh, I might. I might me. have just advertised something that doesn't exist anymore. So. Damn it! I hate it when that happens. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs>
Anyway, have a good have a good week. Bye. Hey everybody, it's me. It's Travis. I'm I've had a whole bottle of La Fin du Monde. I'm a little out of it, but I'm gonna try to do our our ending anyway. Uh, special thanks go to Aesthetics Please. Aestheticsplease.bandcamp.com is where you're gonna find his uh, sweet tunes. Uh, not to mention uh, music.businesscasual.biz. Find some other other good business casual stuff there. Our music is uh, provided generously with his permission. He's our favorite our favorite musician of all time, better than the Beatles. So uh, you should definitely check him out. And yeah, I hope uh, we we don't have any um, any social media or email address or anything. So you, uh, you, there's no way to contact us. So. Uh, if you want to ask us a question, uh, I'm sorry, you, you just you just can't. So that's uh, that's it. Hope to see you next week. Stay classy, fuckers. Goodbye.